So we're going through this series called The Journey. And we're, we are going through the book of Romans, which I think is maybe the pinnacle of the scriptures. Because it gives us such a wonderful layout of the Christian walk and it helps us to understand the Old Testament and just gives us just a, a wonderful understanding of, of what it is to serve God and what it is to know God. And if you remember last week, we, we learned about the benefits of being justified. To be justified is to live just as if you never sinned. To be forgiven completely by the work of Jesus Christ. For his righteousness to be upon you. And you don't have to earn your own righteousness. How many of you love that? How many of you love the fact that you don't have to work to be righteous with God? That he's imputed his righteousness. That's good news. Anything else is work. And so we, we learned about the benefits of justification. And we learned that, that there is with that, number one, peace with God. And that's so important because everyone is searching for peace. Amen? We also learned that we can have access by faith into God's grace. And then we can stand in grace. So we don't start, our, start out our walk with the grace of God and then begin to work our way to, get, to have a right standing. No, we stand in that grace from the beginning to the end. And then we also learn that we can rejoice of the, of, of the, in the glory of God. We can rejoice that God's glory is going to be a part of us from the beginning. We have it, but we don't have it already. We have some of it, but we don't have it already. We, ha we have, it's, it, it just kind of makes me go, wait a minute. But when you look at life, you understand that, 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 that we have the glory of God. In other words, we are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Do you know that when you, when you receive Jesus? You're seated with him in the heavenly places, but you still live on the earth. And, and, and you're still deteriorating every day. And there's still problems all around us. And when you play horseshoes, you don't make a ringer every time. We haven't received the full glory. Amen? So we learned about that, and that's very important. We also learned that you can rejoice in our suffering. That's a very important thing. Because people are suffering all around us. And we suffer. But we can understand that we're not suffering because we're in trouble. We're suffering because we live on the earth. And all around us, there are things that are happening, sickness, disease, death, and all these things that tell us that we're not home yet. But we can rejoice because God's with us every step of the way. And we also learn that God's love has been poured into our hearts. This is important. We have the love of God in our hearts. That means in our whole being. And, and that love sustains us whenever we don't feel adequate, when we feel inadequate, whenever we, we, we think that we're not good enough. No, God loves us despite ourselves. Because his love has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is there dwelling in us. That's awesome. And then we also learned that we have been reconciled. We were hostile. We were enemies of God. But because of what Jesus has done, now we're not enemies. We're friends. Not, we're not enemies anymore of God. We're family members. We're sons and daughters of the Most High. We are royalty. I mean, that is so cool. And, and so now we're going to move on to part seven 
And Paul, you're, you're, gonna, you're going to see how systematically, how precisely the Holy Spirit is leading the Apostle Paul to write. And after he talks about the benefits of justification, he says there is a basis for justification. There's a reason that you need to be justified. And people need to grab a hold of this because some people think, I don't need to be justified because I'm already good. Ah, oh, come on. There are people that think, I'm not as bad as everyone else. I don't need to be justified. Well, the Bible tells us exactly why we all need to be justified. We all are tainted with sin. But it also tells us that the basis for justification, and that is there are some people that live their life, they live their life in a, in a, in a world of guilt, and so you need to understand that there's a reason for your justification so that you don't have to live your life with your head down and feeling like you're never going to achieve anything. There's a basis for our justification that says Jesus did it all. When you think you can never do enough. There are people that live their lives thinking, I just have not done enough. God's not going to love me. And those kinds of people at different times... They point their finger at God because they don't understand God. And they'll say, God, why do you hate me? No, God loves us. And he justified us. So we're going to, we're going to chapter 5, and we're going to start in verse 12. I'm reading from the NIV. Let me pray. Father, thank you for this first service, and we pray your blessing on your word. Pray your blessing on me as your vessel to speak today. I pray, Lord God, that all of us in here will be ready to open our hearts and our minds to what your word has to tell us. And as I have prepared a message, I pray, Lord, that you will be with me and that these won't be my words per se, that they'll be your words. And that as we leave here, all of us collectively will know that God has spoken to us. And that we can leave with an assurance that not only do you love us, but that you have a wonderful plan for our lives. And because of that, Lord God, we can be difference makers and we can walk in, again, the assurance that we've been justified. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, therefore is a very important word in the Bible. Because therefore means, okay, I've told you something, therefore I'm going to tell you something else. Right? When you talk to your children and they've done something, you did this, 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 therefore, and you put your finger like this, right? And it may be a positive. You know, they, you, you, you did your chores, you, you, you've been really nice, you've been kind, therefore, we're going to go get an ice cream. Yay! Right? Or you didn't do your chores, you have not been nice to little Susie and little Bobby. Therefore, you're not getting an ice cream. I want an ice cream. Therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, so that helps us for the basis. One man, sin entered the world. Just real quick. Who would that one man be? Very good. You guys are just smart for service. 
Just as sin entered the world through one man, and death through sin, and in this way death came to all people because all sinned. That kind of helps us to understand what death is all about. Are you with me? To be sure, sin was in the world before the law was given. Before the Ten Commandments were ever given, sin was already prevalent. But sin is not charged against anyone's account where there is no law. In other words, if everyone went and broke those 55 mile per hour signs on Highway 77, you wouldn't know that the speed limit was 55 miles per hour. But because there is a law, you would still get a ticket. Right? What he's saying is if there's no law, you don't know what you're supposed to do. But there was still sin. Amen? Nevertheless, death reigned from the time of Adam to the time of Moses. Isn't that, that amazing? Death reigned. It was crowned. What does it tell us? It tells us that everyone died. No one ever overtook that. It reigned. It was supreme. Even over those who did not sin by breaking a command, as did Adam, who is a pattern of the one to come. Now, that's important right there, but no one sinned as of Adam. In other words, not, not, not everyone ate the forbidden fruit, but everyone sinned. Are you with me? It became, it became worse. It, became, it went to other issues of, of, of humanity. But the gift is not like the trespass. The gift being grace. For if the many died by the, tra the, by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many? Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of the one man's sin. The judgment followed one sin and brought condemnation. But the gift followed many trespasses and brought justification. For if by the trespass of the one man death reigned through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and of the gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ? Now that's important, beloved, because if anyone teaches another gospel that says you can get saved by your own works, you can get saved by another man, or another man received a, a vision from an angel, and there's another testament. And you can go through another man. You go, chale tamale. Nel, no. Amen. There is only justification through one man. There has been a sin by the one man, and that was Adam. And it has followed humanity from that day forward. From that day, everyone has sinned. And from the day of Christ and those that believe in Jesus, everyone that believes in him has been justified man that's good stuff 
Verse 18, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification in life for all people. See, you can't, you can't outdo God. Adam's behavior wasn't going to outdo Jesus's. God is too big. Verse 20, the law was brought in so that the trespass might increase, but where sin increased, grace increased all the more. Boy, that helps us for, for society. Have you ever heard or have you ever said, oh, it's getting so bad today? It's getting so bad. It's so bad. The people are so bad. We forget to look at ourselves. But we, but what we don't grab a hold of it says that as sin increases, grace increases. Yeah, thank you, Lord. As sin, as it gets darker, guess what? God's light gets brighter. As sin becomes so heavy, God's weights become heavier. God's muscles become stronger, and He can lift those burdens from our lives and make us right with Him. And He, there's no one around us that is not that that God cannot save and offer them grace. No one. Verse 21, so that just as sin reigned in death, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ. How many of you took English classes? How many of you slept through English class? Not when Miss Walker was teaching, huh? Why am I saying that? Because what, you're, what we are reading here is comparison and contrast. He's comparing the one to the other. He's contrasting what one did, one sin, and the contrast of what grace does. That's exactly what we're seeing here. Compare and contrast. And what you begin to grasp is you begin to grasp that there's a basis, there's a need for our justification. We need to be justified. And God is able to justify a sinner. Amen? I've got six points. So we better get started. Point number one. Because of Adam's one sin, it resulted in condemnation for every man and woman. Adam made a choice that impacted humanity in a very negative way. Have you ever told someone, I, I mean, I used to tell this to my kids, and I, and I still tell it to them. I mean, they're young adults now, and. I always said to them that one choice can change your life forever. One choice can change your life forever. 
for good or for bad. And Adam made one choice that altered his life forever. But what, and everyone else's, yeah, someone said, but everyone else's, yes, but can I tell you, if you were in his place, you'd do the same thing. Because what this story tells us is that outside of God, we are incapable of making perfect decisions all the time. His decision made him and all humanity die spiritually. When he ate the forbidden fruit, and I know some of you say it was an apple. Well, it doesn't say that in the Bible. It says it was a forbidden fruit. It must have been very luscious looking. And, and you would have thought that Adam and Eve would have said to themselves, there is nothing that we can't do except for one thing. And that is to eat of that fruit. And they would have stayed as far away as possible. Because that snake might come through the grass. And that snake came through the grass and they must have been really close because he starts to tell Eve, did God say? And I want you to think about that, beloved, because that's important because that's exactly what the devil does to us. Did God say? Because he wants for us to doubt God and his goodness. Did God say that you could not? Eat of all this. And Eve distorted it and she said, not only did God say we can't eat it, but we're not even supposed to touch it. And so he began to work, and this is called temptations. If you guys don't know that, that's a temptation. A temptation is not a sin. Have you any any of us ever been tempted? Huh? Temptation is not a sin. The devil plays havoc, tempting God's people and all people. Acting on your temptation is a sin. And so he began to tempt her. Look at how good this fruit looks. Look at it. And she ate. And she went to Adam and he ate. And that right there brought shame, guilt, insignificance, lack of acceptance, all these different things into his life. And so humanity has had a problem from that day forward. Romans tells us, consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, Adam made a choice that has impacted all of humanity and it helps us to understand because of that, every person is born spiritually dead and every person is born a sinner. And you find that out when our kids turn two years old. Because we have the forbidden furniture. Not the forbidden fruit. We have got the forbidden furniture. We've got the forbidden candles. Those scents, stay away from the candles. Don't touch that. Don't go over there. And everything you tell them to 
don't do, they do. I want this. Why? 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 And I started thinking, you know, as I was putting this together, I started thinking about this 1971 movie. I don't know if you remember this. You might. Uh, it was called Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. You ever remember that? And, and Willy Wonka, he was this great candy maker, and he, and he had this factory, and everyone loved Willy Wonka's chocolate. And so he said, I'm going to invite five children to go into this factory. I think it was five. I'm pretty sure I'm, I'm right. I'm going to invite five children to, to come into my factory, and they get to see what no one else has seen. And, and so these people were looking for the golden ticket. And so they, these five get the golden ticket, and they go into the factory, and some of them were traviesos, man. They were brats. And there was this dude named Charlie, right? Charlie was mellow, and he went with his grandpa. I forgot what his grandpa's name is, but they go into this, this factory. And as they're going through, and, they're, and, and do you remember the Oompa Loompas? I used to have nightmares about those little dudes. Oompa Loompa Tumparu, whatever Those Oompa Loompas, man, they were scary. So they went through this factory, and they had the Chocolate River, and, and they had all these, the bubbles that went, you know, you, if you ate the bubble, you'd float, I think, or things like that, and all these different things. And every one of these kids, because they were tempted, and not only the kids, but the parents, fell short. They all did what they were not supposed to do. And that story talks about how people, even when you want to do the right thing, come on, beloved, come on, even when you want to do the right thing, we always seem to fall short of the glory of God. I was talking to someone this week and she said, Pastor, God's leading me this way and I want to fast and, and, and I'm getting ready to fast, Pastor. Do you think that if I skip one meal a week or one meal a day, that'll be good? I said, yeah. Why? Because she's, he or she are saying, I don't want to set myself up. And we, we all do that. We all, we all fall short in, in certain ways. And, and so we need to understand that it's not by our works that we make our right standing with God. It is by what God is doing for us, and he will lead us. How, how do I, I want to close that right there? I want to close by saying this. If you look at that story, and somehow, somehow they, they must have had a little bit of understanding in, in what grace is all about. Because this Charlie found favor with Willy Wonka, and even though he had transgressed, they gave him the factory. Did you know that? Now think about this. That's grace. And with God, even though we have fallen short and we fall short, God justifies us because of his love when we trust not in ourselves, but when we trust in him. Do you see the relevance there? Point number two. Because of Jesus' one act, every man and woman who trust in him will be justified. So because, here's a comparison. Because of Adam's one sin, 
Everyone has been condemned. Now compare that to Jesus because of his one act. Every man and woman who will trust in him will be justified. Now Jesus did many signs and wonders. He did many acts. He did a lot of great things. But when, 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 when Paul gets to this point, he says, because of the one act that Jesus did that means everything to us, that act is that he chose to go to the cross and die for our sins. Was that easy for Jesus? Did he skip to the cross? The night before, he was there in the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was, he was pleading his case because Jesus was a son of man. In other words, he identified with every one of us. And he, he was there at the Garden of Gethsemane, and he was there, and he was praying to the Lord. He was saying, Father, if this cup, if this chalice can be taken from me, take it. Not my will, but your will be done. And he was struggling with this one act because this one act, the weight, the sin of the world was on his shoulders. So Paul wrote, so also one righteous act resulted in justification for all people. In other words, there is not a person alive who when they trust in Jesus Christ, will not have, there is not a person alive that who, when they trust in Jesus, they will have all of their sins washed away. Point number three. Comparison again. Because of Adam's disobedience, men and women have been tainted with or by sin. Tainted means to be contaminated. And this contamination, this, 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 this stain of sin on humanity is more evident in some than others. Amen? That's where you get the people that say, I'm not as bad as that person. Can I tell you something, dear friend, that we all fall short of the perfect standard of God? We've been tainted with sin. And when that, 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 uh, that sin uh, became apparent in Adam, what you see in the garden is that they were full of shame. They hid themselves from God. And can I tell you, humanity still, when you're not walking with God, you still hide yourself from the Almighty. Hear me now. There's a lot of people that are running from God. They're hiding from God, but guess what? God sees them, God loves them, and God is drawing them. Adam lost his significance that he had with God. You know, Adam, think about this, beloved. Adam and Eve, they walked with God in the garden. That's a lot of significance. They were in his very presence. They were accepted by God. They felt acceptance. Now people try to find their acceptance in other ways. Now people try to find their significance in other ways. Now people try to find, and even, even when, when that happened with Adam, people try to find their self-worth 
in other methods. But when you're in a right relationship with God, you, you understand I'm significant to God. And if I'm significant to God, who else do I need to please? And if I'm significant to God, then everyone else is going to see a difference in me. I was talking to someone else this week, and, and as we were talking, I, I said, you're struggling with lack of confidence. You're, you're trying to obtain your, your, your significance through all other things. You're significant because of God. They looked at me and they said, you're right. Your self-worth, you can't find it other places. You're being accepted by your peers, by your friends. Can I tell you, your friends will love you one day? And they'll gossip about you the next. So you find your, your, your self-worth, your significance, your acceptance, not in the things of the world, but you find them in God. And that's exactly, that's exactly what happened to Adam. The Bible says, for just as through the disobedience of the one man, many were made sinners. When Adam sinned, he, he brought that into all the ancestry. And I want you to know that Adam is our great, great, great squared pie, everything else, to the 14,000th grandpa. So we're all family. Somewhere. Well, that's scary. Preach it, Theo. Now, when Adam sinned, he was just instantly, uh, he became spiritually dead. And he was dead to God because spiritually he died. And that's why Jesus, in John chapter 3, when he's talking to Nic Nicodemus, he says, you need to be born again because in Jesus we become spiritually alive and we become sons and daughters of, of the Almighty and there's nothing greater than that amen so point number four because of Jesus's obedience men and women who trust in him can receive his righteousness The Bible explains to us that what Jesus does and faith in Jesus does for mankind is there is a metamorphosis that takes place. That's a big word, but it's a great word. It means there's a transformation that takes place, kind of like a caterpillar when it enters into the cocoon. When it comes out, it comes out a beautiful butterfly. Before Christ, were those caterpillars crawling around? Poquito feito. And then when, when, when Christ comes into our life, it's just like an instant transformation and we begin to fly in Jesus. We begin to soar. We, we, begin, we become something that we've never been before. See, Adam's disobedience tainted us with sin. And we did not have any significance. We did not have any acceptance. That's why you see the world. Think about it, beloved. Look around us. Look at the world. It is trying to find its significance, its self-worth, its acceptance in everything else. And, and let me tell you something. You will be tempted to find your self-worth in what people say about you. 
and what the world says about you. But those that walk with Jesus, you walk to a different step. You walk to the step that you have been justified by God. And because of that, beloved, we can become trendsetters. And the trendsetting that we send out is that we send out that we can be confident we can be significant. We can, be ex- we can understand that we're accepted. We can understand that we're in the family. Not because of what we do, but because of what God has done for us. Verse 19 says, goes on to say, So also through the obedience of the one man, the many will be made righteous. So condemnation, unrighteousness, tainted by sin came through Adam, through Jesus Christ. And because Jesus chose to come, you will be made righteous when you trust in him. I put this down. The son of man had to come. He had to come so that he could restore our broken condition. See, we need, to, we need to grab a hold that without Jesus, we're all broken. But with Jesus, you're not. Hear me now. Outside of Christ, you are condemned. In Christ, you're justified. Outside of Christ, you're broken. In Christ, you're restored. Outside of Christ, you are a sinner. In Christ, now you are a saint who sins sometimes. And God is working on you. And you're going to say, you're a saint? Yeah, holy one. Why? Because Christ has sanctified you. Are you with me? The book of Philippians puts it like this. Being found in appearance as a man, this is Jesus, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That's very important to me. It tells me that Jesus chose to become a human. God the Son, who is omniscient, he's the creator of all things, he chose to become a human, and in that, he became obedient to overcome all the the, the horrible things that Adam brought into humanity. He was obedient so that he could restore us And change our lives forever. Point number five. Because of Adam, sin reigns through death. Every time we go to a funeral or we are facing a terminal illness or a life-threatening accident, we realize that death is real. And death... Every time you see this, death continually puts a crown on sin. Amen? Saying, yes, you reign. Adam found out that, that his sin ushered in spiritual death, but he also found out that it, brings, that it brought spiritual death because the Bible tells us that Adam lived 930 years. But guess what? He died. And from that day until Jesus came, people have been dying 
because the ratio of people dying is one out of one. Easy math. And that's why Romans says, so just so that just as sin reigned in death, it teaches us that sin has consequences. In fact, the Bible says, later in Romans, it says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, that's awesome, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. I say this all the time that when you go to a funeral of someone that's not saved, when I do a funeral of someone that did not know the Lord, it is completely different than when I do a funeral of those that knew Jesus. Because those that know Jesus are celebrating that this is just a speed bump. A continuation of the eternal life that we have with God. Point number six, last point. Because of Jesus, grace reigns through righteousness. So sin reigned through death. Compare that to, uh, in Adam, compare that to in Jesus, grace reigns through righteousness. Verse 21 goes on to say, so also grace might reign through righteousness to bring eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus had to come so we would not have to bow to sin, but instead grace would reign in our hearts and in our lives. And the grace of God imputes the righteousness of Christ into our once sinful nature and it transforms us into the holy ones of God. I'm telling you, beloved, if that is how you live, if that's how you believe, it will change your life forever. It will change the way that you walk. If you walk in the grace of God and you walk in the righteousness of Christ, it will change your life forever. John in his gospel, my last verse, John in his gospel, he put this. He said, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth comes through Jesus Christ. Through Adam and what he did, man, humanity is condemned. But through Jesus, we're restored. Through Adam, humanity is tainted by sin. But through Jesus Christ, we're justified. Ain't that cool? Through Adam, sin has a crown that's placed on it by death. But through Jesus, grace has a crown that's placed on him through the righteousness of Christ. And can I tell you, beloved, something that's so incredible, that when you walk with Jesus and in his grace, and you grab a hold of the, you're righteous because of what he's done, it will change the way that you live. We're going to go into the next chapter, and the first thing he says is, shall we all sin so that grace may abound? Never! Because that's what people start saying. Oh, we got grace. Let's sin, 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 sin. 
He says, no, you got the righteousness of Christ. Walk in his glory. Walk in his attributes. Walk in his love. And walk in his power. Amen? There's nothing greater than that. Let's pray. Father, we rejoice in your love and 